faith. You could, I, I thought about how a trumpet, for example, a trumpet has no power of its own to produce noise. It takes a human being to blow air into it to produce sound. Amen? And it's the wind of a human being going through that instrument that produces that particular sound. Amen? And so it is God gave us a trumpet of a mouth so he could breathe into us the breath of life and breathe out of us. Amen? Remember when God created Adam, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. Amen? Now he's a breathing, living soul just like God. Amen? And and now he's able, Hebrew scholars tell us that man became another speaking spirit just like God. Amen? God created man a living soul but the actual Hebrew, the, the Hebrew uh, sages, have, uh, the, uh, the Chamash, I get Humash or Chumash, the, the books of the Hebrew of the Old Testament, say that God really said that He made man another speaking spirit like Himself. Amen? So every time we speak His word or we sing praises to Him, we're expressing the glory of God. Amen? Just like that trumpet. Praise God. Um, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. And... Uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to uh, uh, Matthew, the 14th chapter, once again. And we're talking about being determined to win. De- being determined to win. Let me turn over there myself. That would help, wouldn't it? Let's start with verse 22. Father, we thank you today for the precious holy word of God. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Etch inside of our hearts today your purpose, your plan for us in a mighty way, Father. We thank you, Lord, that we're coming up to a higher level today in Christ Jesus in our call with you, Lord, in our walk with you. So, Lord, fill us today with utterance. Speak to us. Reveal your word to us. In Jesus' mighty name and all that agreed said, amen. And uh, again, we're talking about being determined to win. And we, uh, we began to see some, some keys here. The first key that we talked about is Mark eleven twenty two, where Jesus said, have faith in God. Notice that phrase, have faith in God. Four words, okay? There's a whole lot in there. Have faith in God. Every time we face an obstacle in life, and there's no shortage of those. How many of you know that? (laughs) There's no shortage of obstacles. You know, the Bible even says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Don't put the period there. It says, but the Lord shall deliver us out of them all. Jesus said in his gospel, he said, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Amen. Amen. So, no matter what the devil throws at us, no matter what kind of circumstances he throws at us, we're going to come out victorious. You're going to come out victorious. Amen? And that's part of having our mind renewed with the Word of God and thinking like God thinks. God always thinks victory. He doesn't think failure. When He thinks of you, He doesn't think of, you sorry thing, you. You loser. (laughs) Amen? I'm sure you've seen, you know... uh, Back in the day, maybe you experienced that where somebody pasted something on someone's back that says loser or kick me or something like that. You know, God doesn't do that. Amen. He might plaster something on you, but it's going to say winner, overcomer. If God's going to label you, it's going to be something good. Amen. We understand the concept about labeling people, you know. And, you know, it's just amazing to me how if you've never met a person before, maybe you've had this experience Maybe you've never met a person before, but you heard something negative about them. And then when you met them, that's the first thing that came up in your mind like that, rascal. (laughs) How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Nobody has been lied about more than God. Amen. Amen. Nobody was more persecuted than Jesus. Nobody was taken advantage of more than Jesus. He understands. Amen. Amen. But he went through all that he went through to give us sweet victory in this life. Praise the Lord. So we're talking about 
being determined to win. In Mark eleven twenty two, I'll just refer to it. Jesus said, have faith in God. Okay? And then the second thing that we looked at as far as being determined to win, number one, have faith in God. Number two is we have to keep our eyes on the Word of God. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus, the living Word of God. I thought I was going to finish this up last week, but I wasn't quite done with this particular point here. I want to give you a scripture in Lamentations 3, verse 51. You don't have to turn there. Just, just write it down there. And it talks about how the, uh, what we look at affects the condition of our heart. Okay? We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. If we're going to be determined to win, the only way that we're really going to win is keeping our eyes on Jesus. Hallelujah. Being determined to win. Lamentations 3.51, Jeremiah said this, Mine eye affecteth mine heart because of the daughters of the city. Now notice the first phrase, the first part of that. My eye affecteth my heart. King James says, Mine eye affecteth mine heart. You know what I'm saying? We would say it like this. What you looked at, what you look at, will affect the condition of your heart. Amen? Now, I, I work with a lot of people that aren't saved, you know what I'm saying, in the side job that I have, you know. <laughs> and um, and the, the one person that I'm working with, they're always, they're always focused on the news. Did you hear about the latest? Did you hear about this? No, I didn't hear about it, you know. Did you hear so-and-so, they got killed in a car accident, you know, and all this kind of stuff, you know. And I'm thinking... Okay, I can see what you're focused on, you know what I'm saying, but I'm not condemning the person, but it's just people in the world system, they focus on all this negative. And there's a lot of believers that focus on the news media, on the negative stuff that's going on, and make no mistake about it, it will affect the condition of your heart. They say you have to hear something, I don't know how many times before it becomes your opinion, even if it's a lie. Anybody know the number? <laughs> okay. And, uh, and you'll notice this, especially, and I don't, I don't watch the news, period. I don't watch it. Okay? Well, brother, how do you know what's going on in the world? I know what's going on. Amen? But I don't have to meditate on, on, the, on the news media. But you'll notice there's a narrative that they all, this, this, this TV stations, they pick up because they're getting information from somewhere out there. We know it's negative. And they all pick up on these buzzwords and the same thing, and they'll begin to say the exact same thing. And you're thinking, man, do they all have a word of knowledge? No. No. Okay. They did that about our President Trump. They would all start saying the same thing. So what happens is all those lies start going out there, those lies, and it could be about anything. And if people hear it enough times, they believe it. Okay. And so... Lamentations, Jeremiah wrote Lamentations. He says, my eye affecteth mine heart because of the daughters of the city. So what we look at will affect the condition of our heart. And we see this with Peter again in, in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. This is right after Jesus had fed the multitude. There was 5,000 men besides women and children. So there's probably about 30,000 people. Okay. And it says in verse 22, And straightway Jesus constrained His disciples to get into the ship or the boat and to go before Him unto the other side. Now notice that Jesus has given commandment to them to go to the other side. Okay? Verse 24 says, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves for the wind was contrary. Now, wait a minute. I thought Jesus said, go and meet me. I'll meet you at the other side of the lake. Did Jesus give the word? Yes. He said, go. He constrained his disciples. That means, he said, it's not just a suggestion. He said, get in the boat, go to the other side, and I'll meet you over there. Okay? So, Jesus has spoken his word. He's given his word. But, you know, what happened was, in verse 24... But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. We would call this winds of adversity. Have you ever experienced winds of adversity? Against yourself, against your family, against your body, against your finances, or whatever the case may be. 
This is nothing new to Jesus. This is nothing new to God. And sometimes it seems like when we obey God, it almost seems like things got worse. <laughs> Amen? But see, that doesn't change the plan of God. Brother Hagin used to say this. I remember him. He's my spiritual father. He said, a lot of people think that when you're in the will of God, everything falls like cherries off a ripe tree, that there's no resistance, there's no, nothing's coming against you. But it could be just the opposite. Paul was in the will of God, but if you look by the circumstances of his life, it looked like he missed God on every hand. Doesn't it? But he was right smack dab in the middle of the will of God. Praise the Lord. And so we want to talk about this here for a minute here because it says, And the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went into them walking on the water, on the sea, the Sea of Galilee. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. And they said, It is a spirit. And they cried out with fear. I, I did some research and I looked this up. And it's uh, the word phobos, fear, where you get phobia. And it says that they literally, the Greek says they shrieked with fear. They were terrified. Okay? And uh, they thought it was a spirit. They didn't know it was Jesus. But verse 27, Jesus straightway spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered and said unto him, Lord, if it be you, bid me to come to thee on the water. And Jesus said one word, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Hallelujah. And when he saw, now here's what I want you to focus on, verse 30. When he saw, well, now if you see something, you're what? You're looking at something. You're looking at something. Right? That's one of the five senses. Right? What you can hear, what you can see, what you can taste, smell, and feel. Five senses. That's how we contact this natural realm. And so, the enemy, and it wasn't God that did this, the enemy whipped up some waves through the wind, and it says that Peter, when he saw, verse 30, when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. So in other words, what he was looking at produced fear. Okay? Jesus even said in the latter days, men's hearts will fail them for fear of looking after that which is coming. Okay? But he said to the church, look up for your redemption draws nigh. It's all what you're looking at. Amen? I believe God's doing something big. I believe we're on the, on the brink of the greatest revival this planet has ever seen. I'm talking worldwide revival that these eyes, your eyes, will see. Okay? And the Lord's, you know, one thing about the Lord, when He prophesies things, you know, He prophesied, Isaiah prophesied the coming of Jesus approximately 500 years before He became flesh. So there was probably people saying, oh, false prophet, false prophet. He just made that up. Are you with me now? But how many of you know He was speaking for God? But the time came where the virgin conceived by the Holy Spirit and brought forth a son, and it came to pass. Amen? And so Jesus told the disciples, get into the boat. Go to the other side. I'll meet you there on the other side. And so here's this, the rest of the story here. What Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, then ask, bid me to come on the water. So, you know, what's he going to say? I'm just teasing, guys. You know, he didn't say that. He didn't say, don't try this at home. This is only for deity. <laughs> so he began to walk on the water. Hallelujah. And so he got his eyes. Now I know I'm reviewing a little bit here from the last couple of weeks, but he got his eyes on Jesus. He was okay. He was walking on the water. He was actually walking on the Word. Okay? You know, when you walk on the, on the Word of God, you obey the Word of God, you can walk above the circumstances of life. Praise the Lord. And so, but immediately, Peter got his eyes off the Master, got his eyes off Jesus. He began to look and see the waves coming. Now, folks, you can't walk on the water on a calm day. The waves had nothing to do with it. Had nothing to do with it. But what happened right here, when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, beginning to sink. He cried, Lord, save me. Now, the word save right there is the Greek word sozo. S-O-Z-O. Sozo, we call it. 
That means to save, to heal, to preserve, to deliver. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be sozoed, saved. Okay? So that, that word is more than just being rescued from your sin. It's, it's a whole package deal. Amen? And so Jesus reached down and had mercy on him and pulled him up. And he says, Oh, you of little faith, wherefore did you doubt? Doubt. Okay? Now, there's two tormenting twins. Brother Hagin used to have a message years ago called Two Tormenting Twins called Doubt and Fear. They work together. Doubt and Fear. And they both have to come. They come by what we're observing, what we're looking at. Amen? There's a newspaper in Pittsburgh called The Observer Reporter. Isn't it? Okay? And a lot of people are observing not just that paper, but other news media. But you'll notice, I mean... And I'm not just picking on the news just to pick on the news, but I'm saying this. They're never going to give you good news. Okay? It's funny because Lynn, she'll she'll record the weather. You know what I mean? But to watch the weather, to record it, you have to see all the other stuff. So we just fast forward through that, you know? But but it's so funny. Even when we're fast forwarding it through, you're like, oh, ooh, that's horrible. You know what I'm saying? Even though it's going fast. Okay? But bad news sells. Good news doesn't. Okay? And so they focus on stealing, killing, robbing, destroying, murder, what the devil's doing, okay? And if you're not careful, if you pay too much attention to that, you'll think you're going to be one of the next people. Are you with me now? And we have to be careful about what we put into these eyes, what we put. Is it really necessary to watch that? Is it really necessary to see who was just killed over on this side of Pittsburgh? Folks, every city, every major city, there's, there's murders every single day. Every major city. That's nothing new. Thank God you don't live in Chicago. <laughs> Amen? That's a common thing before breakfast. How many people died before breakfast up there? You know what I'm saying? But we don't want to focus on that What should we focus on? We need to focus on what God said about protection, keeping us, guarding us, preserving us. Psalm 91, 1,000 will fall at your side, 10,000 at your side, but it won't come near you. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. I know Glenn, he was sharing some powerful things last week, some things how the Lord delivered him from, you know. And a lot of us could say the same thing. A lot of us could say the same thing. There were so many instances in my life where I could have been taken out one thing after another, one thing after another. That could have been it. But the Lord preserved me. The Lord kept me. Not because I'm anything special, because the Word of God is special. God is no respecter of persons. And when we stand upon the Word of God, even if we're not totally perfect, God will still rescue us. Peter got his eyes on the wrong thing. He began to sink, but God rescued him. Jesus rescued him. And Jesus will rescue you too, even when you feel like your emotions are sinking. Maybe you're not on a literal lake where you're sinking, but maybe you felt at times where your emotions are sinking, like, oh God, I got one nostril above the water and I'm about to go under. Have you ever felt that way before? Will you feel, especially when, you, when you're physically tired? Do you ever notice that your problems always seem worse when you're tired? You look at that thing like, oh, that's big. Then you get eight hours or seven hours of rest. You're like, hey, we can deal with that. Amen? Because, you know, your, your physical body needs rest. How many of you know that? You need rest. Amen? Why? Because that's the time where, God, your, your cells rejuvenate. You know what I mean? Things happen in your body. I can't describe the whole thing, but things happen in your brain, things happen in your body, and nothing like a good night rest where you wake up refreshed and you're able to stand up against those things. Hallelujah. But it's when Satan always comes when you're at your weakest point. That's when he tries tempting you is when you're at your weakest point. Okay? Like my wife used to tell me sometimes when I was dealing with stuff, she says, Keith, just go to bed. (laughs) Yes, resist the devil, but get some rest too. Amen. That's just common sense, right? See, a lot of things are just common sense. A lot of times we wouldn't even have to resist the devil so much if we were doing the proper things in our body, if we take care of this temple. Okay? 
Amen. I could really get off there, but I won't. <laughs> but we, we got to take care of this thing. We got one body to take care of. We got to take care of it. But notice that, that uh, Peter uh, got his eyes on the wrong thing and he began to sink. Now, go again to Hebrews chapter 12. And then we'll get into our other part here. But Hebrews chapter 12, one more verse here. In verse, verse 1. Now, how many of you know Hebrews chapter 12 comes after chapter 11? <laughs> What's chapter 11? We call that the hall of faith. The hall of fame of faith. In other words, by faith so-and-so, by faith so-and-so. And there's several, several, through faith, by faith. You know, I don't know if it's like 20-some times where that phrase is used. Okay? By faith, David. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah. Okay? And, and, and he lists a bunch of people. These are all Old Testament characters. Okay? They obtain promises and so forth and so on. But all the Bible says that all these, the last part of chapter 11, all these died not having received the promise. But God had something better for us. What does that mean? Does that mean they died without receiving their miracle? No, because we read where they received miracles. Now the promise that he's talking about right there is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So, uh, Let's go to, I think sometimes I get in a hurry and I don't want to do that. Look at chapter 11 real quick here. Verse 39 says, And all these having obtained a good report through faith received not the promise. God having provided something better for us that they without us should not be made perfect. Then verse 12 says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, talking about the people in Hebrews 11, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that's set before us. Notice this, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, is set down at the right hand of, of the throne of God. Okay, so these, Paul, I believe, is the writer of Hebrews. When the, the Lord appeared to Brother Hagin on one occasion, the Lord asked, uh, Brother Hagin asked Jesus, he said, Lord, who is the author of Hebrews? And he said, Paul. Okay, and it, it's consistent with his writings. But you'll notice in the book of Hebrews that it's a comparative book. It compares the old covenant with the new covenant. We have a better covenant, chapter 8, upon better promises, you know. He, he, he compares the ministry of angels with the ministry of Jesus. He compares Moses, the high, Moses compared to Jesus, you know. 13, chapter 13, he compares physical sacrifices with spiritual sacrifice. Let us offer unto God the sacrifices of praise continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. When we come to church, you don't have to bring a bloody goat or a lamb. And sacrifice it when you come to church. In the old covenant, it was a bloody place. Amen? But we have the Lamb of God that was shed for us once and for all, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in chapter 12, he says, We are to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus. Say, look. All right. You know, when you're trying to get your kids' attention, you say, looky here. And I think God is saying that to us. Look here. Look at me. What am I doing? What am I saying right now? And when we face the crisis of life, which we all do, we all face different situations in our life, we have a choice whether or not we're going to be looking only, and it's meant to drive you crazy. Okay? And one thing we should never say you know, sometimes think, people think they've graduated beyond this where they don't have to watch their words anymore. We should never say, they drive me nuts. They drive me crazy. I hear people say that all the time. They just drive me insane. They drive me crazy. Okay? Well, do you really want that? Okay? They drive me up a wall. 
<laughs> Amen. And I say, well, pastor, come on now. You know, that's just a figure of speech. Yes, I know it is, but the devil's a legalist and he'll take our words and use them against us. Okay. Charles Capps talked about a woman one time that, that had a constant fever. She had a constant fever. And they, doctors couldn't figure out what in the world was going on. But one of the, if my memory serves me correct, uh, she kept saying this statement. She, you know, she picked up on this phrase, that just burns me up. That just burns me up. And I don't know if it was her husband or one of her relatives that made that known. And she says, do I really say that? Sometimes we say things, we don't even know we said it. Do I really say that? You know, and here, thank God she was humble enough to receive instruction to make the correction and not, you know, ridiculous. Oh, come on. My words don't have anything to do with that. But she repented from saying, that just burns me up. Well, it was burning her up. Okay? Now, what was the devil doing? He was taking, he's a legalist. He'll take her words and use them against her. Okay? And so what happens, and people, Christians especially that aren't taught these things think, that's ridiculous. Your words have nothing to do with you. Say whatever you want. It's not going to affect you. I beg to differ. The Word of God teaches us that death and life are both in the power of the tongue. Not just life, but life and death. We want to speak life words. Hallelujah. <laughs> and, uh, well, she made the correction, and guess what? The fever left. The doctors couldn't figure it out. It was, it was a mystery to them. Okay? Well, that just burns me up. She kept saying that, you know? And, uh, well, see, well, Satan will look for a legal way. He'll look for some loophole to get a, get a, get a grip in there somehow. And that's why we have to be very careful about the words of our mouth. Amen? Our words carry life or they carry death as a believer. No one can control your tongue except you. I should say the Holy Ghost through you. Okay? But, you know, you don't want to say, make statements like that just scared me to death, you know? I mean, it's amazing how the devil has infiltrated the words of human beings, not just in our culture, but worldwide, you know. And, and for example, you know, you know, how many of you like chocolate? I like dark chocolate, it's good, a minimal, you know what I mean? But they've come out with this phrase, chocolate by death. Do you ever hear that phrase before? I just ate a Hershey's bar and it killed them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and we, we laugh about that scared me to death. That just tickled me to death. We should not incorporate that word in our vocabularies. Amen. That's right. No, I'm, I'm, I'm serious about this because words are mo the most powerful thing on the universe. God created us through the spoken word. And we're created where God made man another speaking spirit like himself. Hallelujah. And so we can reverse the curse. We can begin to say things, you know, that, that I, I live long and strong and my days are without sickness and without disease. All of my days. I don't care what my age is. Don't let the devil lie to you and say, well, you're at a certain age. Your body begins to break down. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Amen. Amen. Look at Moses. Amen. When God called him. He climbed a mountain when he was 120 years old. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The limitations that we put on ourselves doesn't have to be that way. Say, I'm strong, healthy, and wealthy all my days. Praise the Lord. Those words are powerful. Amen. And I just felt, you know, compelled in my spirit to get off on that just for a minute here. But it's, it's worth saying. I really believe the Lord wants to help us. Amen. And you know what? You got to keep this stuff before you. You say, well, I heard that sermon about my words, you know, 25 years ago. I remember that series, you know. But then time goes by and you don't keep it before you. What happens is we begin to slip back in our old way of thinking and the old way of speaking because 
You know, you're around people that don't watch their words. Right? How many are around some people that don't watch their word? They say, you know, oh, you know what I'm saying? That death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So I'm going to speak life words, praise the Lord. How many people, I, I, I know of uh, one case, for example, a guy that was uh, prior to turning 40 years old, he kept saying this statement. I don't know where he got it from, from a person, but it was the enemy. enemy. So to lie to him, he says, I'll never, never live past the age of 40. I'll never live past the age of 40. And he kept saying that, kept saying that. And one minister I know told, knew this person. He tried to correct him. He didn't want to hear it. Well, guess what? Right before his 40th birthday, he died. Okay? You might say you're the prophet of your own life. So why did he die before 40? Well, wrong words were activated in this person's life. The law of the spirit of life, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Okay? Spiritual laws were set in motion of saying things but not making the adjustment, not making the correction. Okay? Praise the Lord. You can never say enough positive things about yourself. <laughs> you can't. You can never say enough positive things. It certainly isn't going to hurt you. I'm getting healthier by the day. I'm getting stronger by the day. I'm getting smarter by the day because of the greater one that lives in me. See, I'm not bragging on myself. I'm bragging on Jesus who lives on the inside of me. Praise God. And I think the Lord loves it when we get bold about him. You think he gets irritated at that? Are you kidding me? He gets so excited. He gets thrilled. He loves to hear faith coming from his children. Praise God. Good days are in store for you. Good days are in store for your family. It's not over. If you're breathing, there's still time. Praise God. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Okay? So we got to look to him. Okay? Uh, now let's, let's finish this up today on the third point of uh, what we're talking about here. Being determined to win. And this is really interesting. If you're taking notes, number three would be take small, doable steps every day. Take small, doable steps every day. The Bible tells us in Psalm 37, verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Isn't that interesting? The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. I saw that one day and I was got to thinking about that and I thought, well, it didn't say the leaps of a good man. And I was, it was almost like I heard the Lord say, how do you walk a mile? Could I leap a mile? No. Could I jump a mile? No. Can you imagine a long jumper in the Olympics? I just leaped one mile. <laughs> well, that, that, that's not going to happen. Okay. Not unless God picked you up and took you there to the finish line, you know what I mean? But steps, steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. So uh, mouths are made up of steps. So the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. I see Sister Brooke over here. She runs marathons and half marathons and stuff like that, you know. And, and, and most of us couldn't do that. I know I couldn't do that right now. I'm not in that type of shape, Okay. But she didn't start out there. Okay? She had to be somewhat disciplined to get out there and to train. Race day, you know, um, she wasn't passing out after the first mile. You know what I'm saying? Amen. <laughs> Amen. So it took, it took some discipline, determination, you know. But the, the fact of the matter is, do you know there are people in their 80s running marathons? <laughs> I, saw, I saw a guy on film I'm like my god he's in his mid 80's and he's running a marathon you know 26 what is it 26.3 miles <laughs> hallelujah okay now that seems that seems impossible in the natural doesn't it it seems 
But the, the fact, the reality is, they did it. They finished it, you know. And, uh, but, you know, they, they, they work at it. They take one step at a time, another step, another step, okay. I, I sit, talk to Sister Patty, and she's uh, taking steps around her yard, okay. I said, that's awesome, Patty. That's awesome. You know what I'm saying? You know how many people, you know, that maybe her peers would sit there and do nothing and sit in the couch all day and do nothing? Well, what you don't use, you lose. How many of you, when you don't use your muscles and you don't use what God's given you, you become weaker? But the more you use it, the stronger you become. Okay? I don't mean to sound like a coach here this morning, but you know. <laughs> but the principle is true. We, we, we talk about these natural principles, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And I think it's just important, and we'll finish with this today. Take small, doable steps every single day. Go to Exodus chapter 23, and I want to show you a scripture here. I had the misunderstanding and the, and the mistaken idea that when God brought the Israelites into the promised land, it was like, all right, we're getting up, we're going into the promised land today, that's it, we're going to take it over right now. That's not the way it happened. We see a, a key right here in, in Exodus 23 and verse 30. The Lord told the Israelites, Joshua and Caleb and those 20 years and younger underneath them. The others, of course, perished in the wilderness because of doubt, fear, and unbelief. Think about what that did for them. Where did their fear get them? Where did their doubt get them? <laughs> they perished in the wilderness. It wasn't God's will. They came back from the promised land after spying it with an evil report of unbelief. The Bible says an evil report. What's an evil report? Anything that's contrary to what God's word says. And the Lord said in Numbers chapter 14, what they've spoken in my ears, that will I do, both good and bad. Joshua and Caleb, you know, hallelujah, said we, are, we be able. We can take this land. He's already promised it. Let's go up at once and possess it. But the other ten spies came back with an evil report of unbelief and said there's giants in the land. We can't do this. We're not, we're not strong enough, you know. But it was just the minority, just Joshua and Caleb. I believe there's some Joshua and Caleb's here today. Amen. It's not gender sensitive. Amen. Hallelujah. Man or woman. Praise God. <laughs> The spirit of Joshua and Caleb. Even God says, my spirit, uh, Caleb says, he hath another spirit. What did he have? The spirit of faith. Well, anybody can have the spirit of faith. The Bible says, we have in the same spirit of faith according as it is written. I believe, therefore have I spoken. We believe, therefore we speak. 2 Corinthians 4.13. So it's just saying what God says. If you have the, when you want to have the spirit of faith, you just repeat what God says. That's awesome. If I want to have the spirit of faith, I just say what God says. God says, hey, is anybody out there wants to just say what I'm saying? <laughs> and everybody raises their hands, right? So, yes, Lord, I'll say what you say. I'll, I'll declare what you say and so forth. But notice right here in, in, in Exodus 23, verse 30, it says, the Lord told uh, the Israelites, little and little. Notice that. I will drive them out before you until you have increased and inherit the land. And I will set up the bounds from the Red Sea even to the Sea of the Philistines and from the desert unto the river. I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you will drive them out before thee. Even prior to the verses, he said, I'm going to send hornets. <laughs> God says, I'm going to send some hornets. That'll scare some people. I got stung by a hornet one time. That was enough. And I was sitting on my back screened in porch years ago, this house that we had rented. And this, I didn't realize there was a hornet in there. I'm on the telephone. That thing came down out of nowhere, hit my neck, and it was like somebody hit me with a hammer. And I was on the phone with, with somebody. I said, excuse me, i got to get off the phone right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I thought, that hornet, it looks like a, a, uh, a yellow jacket, but it's just bigger. Just bigger. Okay. <laughs> Like a zebra, you know what I mean? And that thing hit me, and I thought, God says, I'm going to send uh, hornets to drive out the inhabitants. That'll get their attention. You can imagine those people running, the Philistines running down the middle of the desert, swatting and everything. 
But notice that God says right here, little and little, we'd say little by little, I will drive out those enemies until you possess the land. I, I like to say it like this, little victories, little victories. Now in the game of football, for example, when they move the chains, that's when you're moving the ball down the field. How many of you know what I'm talking about? They move the chains. Well, in a similar fashion, Israelite, the Israelites had these markers, and they, as they would push back the enemy, they would put the marker in and they would claim that territory. And let's just say it was as big as this room, okay? Well, that's progress. But if you keep moving forward and claiming more territory and possess it, all of a sudden you look back and say, my God, we've come a long way here, Okay? And so that's why it's so easy to get discouraged when we don't see progress. We want to make steps, take steps. You know, uh, someone uh, was having a problem one time with trying to quit smoking. Okay? Smoking's not good for you. Amen? It's not good for you. It'll give you a premature death. Okay? All right? My father, you know, he's in heaven now, but he smoked three packs of cigarettes a day since I was a little kid. Every time I saw him, he had a cigarette in his mouth. Amen? And I remember when I was just a little kid, I thought, I want to be just like my dad. So I took a pack of his cigarettes. I was like five, six years old. And I had some friends up the street, you know. And like my dad's not going to find out that I stole his cigarettes. You know what I'm saying? And it was this closet, I remember, it was underneath the steps. We used to live in the city, you know. And I went in there. He used to buy these cartons of cigarettes. And so there's, I grabbed, I took, you know, I think, I don't know if I got one or the whole pack. I don't know. I don't remember. But uh, I remember I took that pack of cigarettes and I snuck out of the house and I ran up the street. And I, I, I went to uh, my friend's house. I said, I got some cigarettes. Okay. I barely knew how to light a match. You know what I'm saying? And um, so we, we went back in this little, little area, you know, there was like, a, like a, a brush over our heads so nobody could see us. Somehow my mother found out. She come up, she caught me, you know. And, um, and I, I took one inhale of that cigarette. I, I thought I was going to die. I was choking and oh my God. You know what I'm saying? And I remember going home that night. Oh, the most painful thing was waiting for my dad to get home. Amen. And I, and I, you know, the rest of the story. Okay. Not only did I steal cigarettes, I smoked. I wasn't supposed to. You know, I'm thinking, well, I want to be like you, Dad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and. Um, Needless to say, I never, I never smoked again and don't want to and never will. Praise the Lord. I don't have to. Amen. I like fresh air. So do your lungs, right? Praise the Lord. I don't know why I got off on that, but I did anyway. But anyway, there was a guy that was um, having a, a real problem with, he was a believer. And, you know, he got saved. He realized, I need to stop this. My body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. I don't need to be smoking, putting this kind of stuff in my body, you know. And... Um, and he said, I just tried and tried and tried. And so he counseled with his minister at the time. And he, he says, how long can you go without a cigarette? He goes, well, 15 minutes. He goes, well, then live your life 15 minutes at a time. He said he never thought of it like that. He said, I can go, what, 10, 15 minutes without a cigarette. So I can, in other words, that's a small step. Okay? And so... Somehow, he figured it out. He said, you know, all right, so I can go 10 minutes. Now, so once he got the 10 minutes, I can go another 10 minutes. Lord, I need your help right now. So eventually, he kicked it. Amen? But it was small steps. It wasn't just big leaps. Sometimes we look at something, we think that just seems too big and too hard to accomplish that. But it's just little, tiny steps, taking those steps. Are you with me? It's just an amazing thing when we think about what steps we can take. What if we take, for example, we take one scripture a day. You never stop learning. Always keep growing. Always learn. There's always something more to learn. 
from God. And if we take like one scripture a day, just one scripture a day, just meditate on that, think on that, speak that, all of a sudden that scripture like will literally become a part of you. Okay? It'll become a part of you. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, you know the scripture. It says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. What about prayer? I can't pray more than five minutes. Okay? And sometimes when you start praying in the Holy Ghost, you start praying in the Spirit, it's five minutes seems like 30 minutes. You ever find that out? It's like, how long have I been praying here? Only five minutes? Okay. But a desire accomplished is sweet to the soul, the Scripture tells us. And when you accomplish something, it does something inside of you. We're all meant to accomplish things, right? It's like, man, I just, I just prayed. Not to brag on it or anything like that, but just to prove to yourself, I can do this. Jesus told his disciples, could you not tarry with me one hour? Could you watch and pray for just one hour? Okay? At the, end, the tail end of his ministry, remember that? They're in the Garden of Gethsemane. Could you not wait? Could you not tarry with me for one hour? Okay. And every time he would come back, he would go over there and pray, and then he'd come back and find his disciples asleep. Okay? And this happened two or three times. And then Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Amen? Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How many of you know your spirit wants to pray? Your spirit wants to come to church. Amen? But sometimes you have to tell your flesh, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do this. We're going to do what the Bible says. Amen? And obey what the Lord says. And when we do what He says, we'll be blessed as a result of that. Thank you, Lord. Go to Luke 17. We'll close here today. In Luke chapter 17... See, we're looking at scriptures here that uh, will bear this out. Taking small steps every single day. Will give us victory. Praise God. Even if you took, you know, for, for example, in the vehicle, you're driving in your car somewhere, you know. And it takes a couple of minutes, whatever, to get there. You know, if you take that time and use that time to thank God, praise God, or pray in the Spirit, you know, or put on a teaching, you know what I'm saying? You're seizing the opportunity. You're making the most of your time. Amen? You're redeeming the time, the Bible. That's a better way to put it. You're redeeming the time. Now, as we look at this situation here in Luke chapter 17... Let's look at verse 12 here. We'll finish up here today. Thank you, Lord. He entered into a certain village, that's verse 12, and there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Now, why were they standing afar off? Yeah, because they were not allowed in public, right? Under Levitical law, they had to be quarantined. They had to be away from the general public. So they stood afar off. These were ten, ten people. They were probably in a leper colony, okay, where all the lepers were, right? And it said they stood afar off, and they lifted their voices. So even though they physically couldn't get near Jesus, they could lift their voice, and their voice could go where their body couldn't. There's a revelation in that. Your voice can take you places your body can't. Okay? And they lifted their voices and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, notice they didn't ask Him to heal them. They said, they didn't say, Jesus, heal us. They said, Jesus, have mercy on us. Have compassion on us. It seems that the mercy of God will get things to us when nothing else seems to, to work. Lord, have mercy. I've done everything I know to do. Lord, have mercy. 
That's what Peter was, Lord, save me. Lord, have mercy on me when he was sinking. And the Lord in his mercy will step in and break through the darkness and save us out of whatever pit we're about to fall into. Praise God. That's our God. And when he saw them, verse, four, uh, verse 14, and so when he saw them, that's Jesus, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, notice that steps, they were cleansed. Now, wait a minute. Jesus gave them the word, go show yourself to the priest. They still have leprosy in their body. Okay? They still got disease in their body. And Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. You don't even have to come here. (laughs) So the Lord gave the command, right? And what happened? As they went, they were cleansed. Or could we say it like this? As they stepped, as they took steps, they were cleansed. They could have stopped there. They could have said, no, we want you to heal us right now. Okay? Right? It's like the prophet said, go dip in the River Jordan seven times. You'll come up clean, right? Well, he had a one, two, three, right? So they had to walk out and be obedient to what Jesus said. Go show yourself to the priest. He could have said anything, but he said, go show yourself to the priest. Now, it's, what amazes me is they weren't that far away from where Jesus just said this. They, as they began to walk, they realized, let's read on right here. And when they, he sent them, go show yourself to the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. I like to look at it like this. Every step they took, something fell off. The next step they took, their flesh was made more whole. Every time they took a step, steps of a good man are order of the Lord. Okay? Until they realize there's no leprosy left. But what happened right here is very interesting. As they went, they were cleansed in verse 14, verse 15. Now, how many lepers were there? There was 10. And he said to them, and one of them said, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. Oh, he's just a little radical. Amen. Hey, would you glorify God if you had sickness like this, a leprosy? A deadly disease like he had. Well, he did. He had a deadly disease. Leprosy kills you inch by inch. It's a slow, agonizing death. Eats away at your flesh. Not of God. It's a curse. Okay? But it says in verse 16, it says, fell down at his face and he giving him thanks for he was a Samaritan. What's a Samaritan? It's a half Jew. He's half Jewish, half Gentile. Jesus answered and said, Where there are not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? <laughs> he says, Are there not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger? <clears throat> and he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Praise God. Say gratitude. gratitude. See, gratitude affects attitude. If you're not full of gratitude towards God and towards people, if somebody does something for you, show thanks. You shouldn't have to say that. Show gratitude. Show thanks. Practice gratitude. Practice thanksgiving. Being thankful for people, especially people. Never take them for granted. Never, never take a person for granted, ever. Be thankful for who they are, what they are. Well, they sure have a lot of room to grow. I know, I know, we all do. Amen. But there's something about being thankful and grateful. I believe this guy got something that the other nine didn't. He said, hey, what Jesus said, wasn't there uh, ten people that got cleansed? 
Where's the nine? Only this one stranger has returned to give thanks. <laughs> Amen. I notice this, that the more thankful we are, the more we can receive from God. Amen. Now that would also apply to even the situation in church. The more thankful you are, do you believe there's good word that comes forth here? Do you believe that? Forget about everything else. Is there, is, are you getting ministered to? Is the word of God ministering to you? Okay. Well, it's a principle. When we're thankful for that, the more God will continually to give to us. Praise God. And the more I'll have utterance, or whoever, not just me, the more that I'll have utterance to be able to give to you things that God wants to give to you. Now, I'm certainly not taking the place of God. I'm just taking my place as a man of God. You know what I'm saying? And taking my place as a pastor. That's what God called me to do. He called me. He didn't call me to be an evangelist. He didn't call me to be a traveling teacher. Although I like teaching in other places sometimes. Amen. Make no mistake about it. I enjoy teaching the Word of God. That's, that's, my, that's my place. That's my sweet spot. When I'm teaching the Word of God, like I am right now, it's the sweetest place of my week. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Because there's nothing more humbling than to let God use you to speak through you. It just it humbles me every second I do it. Because I realize I could never do that in myself. I couldn't. I know who I was. I know what I had to offer back in the day, and it wasn't much. I couldn't speak. So every time I'm speaking, you know, I mean, it overwhelms me sometimes. Thank you, Father. Lord, if I can touch one person today, two people today, man, I'm just so thankful for that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Then only one person returned. Amen. Only one person returned to give thanks. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Do you want to be that one person? Something to think about. Son, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So we're talking about this step, taking small, doable steps. Praise the Lord. Even, the, even steps to even, to even come to church today. Maybe today your body didn't even want to be here today. Okay? <laughs> Folks, there's times I wake up and I want to stay home from the natural there's times, you know what I'm saying? We get, listen, we get so acclimated to, we can listen, otherwise we listen on tape or a conference call. or this, There's nothing wrong with that. But there's nothing like being here in person. A tape never took the place of the local church. Amen? Never did, never will. Well, I can stay home and call up and listen. You know, nothing wrong with that. Okay, but it doesn't take the place of the corporate anointing when we come together. Praise the Lord. I, I fear in in a healthy sense. Sometimes after the whole the whole COVID thing took place, a lot of people got out of the habit of going to church for fear. It's time to get over that. It's time to break forth, break out, come out, and be a part of God's plan. Amen. You know, October is supposed to be pa Pastor's Appreciation Month. You know, the greatest thing you can do is come. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to just talk about our church. The greatest blessing you can be is go to that church. Go where God's called you to be. Amen. And be blessed and receive from Him. Praise the Lord. And I know sometimes that's hard to hear, but it's necessary to say things sometimes because we're... We're creatures of habit. If we get in the habit of doing other things, and you know, like Hebrews talks about, let's not forsake ourselves to assemble together as the custom or the habit of some is. But so much the more as you see the day of Christ approaching. Amen? Praise the Lord. When I first got saved, I'm telling you what, you couldn't keep me out of church. 
My wife is the same way. I'm telling you, they had a Monday, they had Sunday morning service. Our midweek was Monday night. Okay? Then they had Saturday night prayer service. Three services a week. I never thought once, well, which one do I want to go to? I wanted to be at every single event. And many times I was the first person that showed up other than the pastor. Amen? I'd show up because I'm eager to get there. I want to hear the anointing. I want to be under the blessing. I want to be under that anointing today, that corporate anointing. And it literally changed my life. I couldn't understand why other people weren't like that. It made no sense to me. Because when you're a hungry man and you're hungry and you're thirsty for God, nothing's going to keep you out of it. Praise the Lord. And I still feel that way. They that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. And so this last step again, take small doable steps every day. What what may seem like a really small thing to you is actually a big thing. When you take small steps of obedience towards God and do what He wants you to do. If the Lord says, I want you to take two minutes right now and just pray. Do that. Whatever He says to do, just do it like Mary told the people. Whatever He tells you to do, just do it. And by doing what Jesus says and doing what He says in the written Word by the Spirit of God, we're going to be stepping into the miraculous, into the supernatural more than we've ever done before. Praise God. This is the beginning point, I believe... That's what I'm sensing in my spirit. I'm not a prophet, but the Holy Ghost lives in me. Okay? And you just know that there are things that God wants to do in these last days that we're living in right now. Before Jesus comes back, there's a great move of God that's going to sweep this planet, as I said earlier. Hallelujah. We want to be in right in the right place at the right time with Him to see the fulfillment of that which has been spoken. Your sons and your daughters, it shall come to pass in the last days. I'm, going to, I'm reminded of this right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It shall come to pass in the last days. God says, I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, upon your sons and your daughters. Does that mean anything to you? Your sons and your daughters. And they shall dream dreams, have visions, they shall prophesy. That just means they'll speak for God. The end result is when God pours out His Spirit on flesh, when He pours out His Spirit on all flesh, He gives us a voice. Our sons and our daughters will have a voice. I watched a a, a video last week of a little kid was probably five or six years old was preaching in this church his dad was a pastor and this little kid I'm telling you he had a little blue suit on a big red tie you know what I mean and the microphone was almost as big as him you know and he grabbed that microphone and he got up there you know he could barely hold that thing up and he had his bible like scriptures and stuff you know I don't know if he could read yet you know <laughs> and I was so I just I was so blessed just watching that. And the, the fathers, whoever the father was just he was the pastor, he was just up there just smiling. This little kid yielding to the Holy Ghost. Let's just say he was six years old, five or six years old. He was four? Oh that's even a bigger miracle. But Evidently, the Holy Spirit doesn't look at the age of flesh. Whether you're young or old, you'll speak for God. You'll have something to say. Amen? And I was blessed by a four-year-old kid preacher. I was blessed by that. Amen? You can look it up on, if you have the internet, you can look it up on YouTube. You know, just type in little kid preaching, you know. (laughs) It was, there was another little, um, he might have been a little bit older, a little, little black boy that was preaching. He was so anointed. Matter of fact, they were interviewing him. And the wisdom that was coming out of his mouth was like bigger than an adult. Because the reporter was just trying to like trap him, you know what I mean? Yeah. Even the you know, reporters are, you know. And the wisdom that came out of that little kid was just amazing how he answered their questions. 
So let's get ready for the Spirit of God to be poured out on all flesh. It started on the day of Pentecost, but it's here today, and He wants to pour out His Spirit upon all of us. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you today for the Word of God. We thank you for the truth, the life-giving truth of your Word that never fails. Your promises are real, and they're there for the taking. We take them now in Jesus' name, Father. We declare and we prophesy and we speak over this week, upcoming week, Father God, that this will be a week of refreshing, a week of the anointing, a week of blessing from heaven above. We thank you, Lord, for those things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Did you learn something this morning? Praise the Lord.